most of you that have, have been around a while, I, I mean, I've spoken here a couple of times. Some of you know me and have known me for a while and heard me speak. I'm a very much an expository preacher. I like to expound on the Word, read a passage of Scripture, and then just kind of go off from there. Uh, but God had given me a message in my heart, and I have struggled with it. Gail will tell you, even as much as last night, I was saying, boy, I just don't know. I just don't know if I can deliver what, uh, what God... Uh, here I am, I'm apologizing. I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying that, that I was struggling with this uh, because I love to teach. And some of you, again, uh, have been in my class where I have taught in a small group. And uh, it's just a, an, an awesome thing. But uh, this morning I'm going to try uh, maybe to teach preach if you'll allow me to do that. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your uh, little electronic devices or written on the back of your hand or anywhere, someplace where you can find the Word of God, you can go to Ephesians chapter 4. And we will be reading this morning from the ESV. So, as I said, I was in the Coast Guard. Uh, I wear a, a veteran's hat proudly. Uh, that, that says I was in the Coast Guard, and I was proud and honored to serve, as I know my brother Cliff was honored to serve. I know that, uh, that he spent some time in the military and, and, uh, and uh, served our country. Uh, he probably served in, in uh, wartime. Uh, I did also, only thing is, is I guarded the lighthouse <laughs> as a Coastie. My first station was in a in a lighthouse in, in Montauk, Long Island, uh, so I was one of the light keepers there. Uh, in uh, uh, two years after I, I was there, uh, uh, they transferred me from there to Corman School, uh, where I stayed for a little while, and they found out that I was not the brightest light bulb in the lighthouse. <laughs> Uh, so I struggled through that, and, and uh, through mutual agreement, uh, I dropped out of Corman School and found myself on an 82-foot patrol boat. Uh, and it was, uh, it was a fun experience, and it was a sickening experience, literally. The first three months that I was on the boat, every time we dropped the, the lines from the uh, from the dock, I got seasick, and I would ride the entire thing out on the rail. Uh, and believe me, there, if you've never been seasick, and I mean really seasick, there was times when I would say, God, if you would just take me. Just call me home. I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's how, you know, you, yeah, because after you've been, been uh, uh, vomiting so long, you begin to look for your shoes and your socks at some point. It just, it just is bad. But in, in uh, 1977... Uh, towards the end of my enlistment. It was probably in uh, late summer. Uh, the boat went in for an overhaul to New York City. and Actually, it was Governor's Island, which is just off in New York City. Uh, there's Governor's Island, and uh, uh, then there's the Statue of Liberty in Staten Island, and, and uh, um, New York City itself proper, um, Manhattan, off to the other side. So I was stationed right there, and right across from Battery Park. And... In my early years, I knew that there was a calling on my life. But you know, we don't always follow that calling. We don't always live to the best of our ability. And I was in that uh, period, or in a period, uh, Gail, I hadn't seen her in months. Uh, I had sent her home to live uh, with my parents for the last few months that we were in the military to save some money. And 
like any good guy, you know, uh, you dabble in, in uh, things like alcohol and those type of things. And, uh, and so I found myself not really, I mean, loving the Lord, but not really serving the way that I should. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I wasn't being, uh, uh, again, the brightest bulb in the lighthouse. But one day I woke up and I thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to go and talk to anybody that will talk to me about Jesus. And so I grabbed up my biggest Bible, had my big Thompson chain. Uh, that was my favorite Bible. I mean, you could find anything in this. And, and I had used it for so many years that it, it, uh, it had learned who I was and I had learned who it was so I could almost open up to whatever passage of Scripture that I wanted just by turning the thing open. I mean, we, we were trained together, I guess. And I walked out into Battery Park and I saw a guy that was standing up on the base of a statue and he had a Bible in his hand and he appeared to be preaching the word. And as I got closer, I realized that this guy was preaching heresy in almost everything that he said. And he was tearing down every Christian organization and every doctrine. And so me being full of myself, seriously, I stepped right up and said, well, that's not right. And he said, oh, yeah. And, and then we began to battle back and forth. And it wasn't long before this guy literally destroyed me. Literally destroyed me. He embarrassed me almost to the point of tears where I began to, to back up in the crowd. And there was a crowd that was watching us. And I backed up from the crowd. I wound myself back onto the ferry and back to uh, Governor's Island where I never departed again to the city. What was the problem? Where did I go wrong like so many other people and believers when they go off the rail? I tried to do it in and of myself. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We can call this message this morning worthy of the calling. Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 1 says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk. That is to live out in your life daily what we do we walk in the life and the love of Jesus Christ he urges us to walk in that Christ like love and understanding and goes on to say in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called you know that's a pretty heavy word worthy to, to walk worthy of the calling to walk worthy in the manner on which uh, the Lord would have us to walk. 
Uh, in fact, I've had many people say, when I've talked to them, you know, I would just come to the Lord if I felt worthy. You know, I'm just not worthy. Well, I got news for you. Look at somebody beside you and say, you're not worthy. You're not. You're not worthy. It's not being worthy. We're not worthy. We are made worthy through the love and the blood of Jesus Christ. But as people and as human beings, as a sinner, we're not worthy. The Scripture says, For all have come short of the glory of God. That's all. Everyone. The word worthy in the Greek means to be weighty or heavy, or of equal weight. So think about that. The calling that you have been given uh, to your life needs to have, and, and your walk needs to have equal weight to what God has called you to, and to the Word. So it's not something that is to be haphazardly done. It's not something to wake up Sunday morning and think, I'm going to take my biggest Bible, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to teach the world. It needs to be in Christ's love, weight, and unity. As Christians, we have a call, and that call is to reflect the very character and heart of Jesus. That can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit and not of our own strength. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, And we know that of those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called. Let me tell you something. Every one of us. Now, I, I know that I had a calling on my life. I know and can remember the day clearly when God spoke to me that there was a calling on my life that I was to be a representative of the gospel. Not, uh, not just a church goer, uh, but a man of God that would bring and proclaim the word of God. I remember that call. But let me tell you something. Everyone here this morning has a call on their life. And that calling is to reflect the character and the heart of Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility to reflect who Jesus is through our very lives. That's why I said when, uh, that we walk in that character, that we walk in that calling. 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. This is our calling, portraying the image of Christ to a lost and dying world, in that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. So, what or how do we find out really what that is? And I believe that in the next two verses that we will see that. Verse 2, it says, with all, and this is in, in, uh, in Ephesians 4, it says, with in all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
humility. So for those of you who take notes, you can, you can uh, write it down this way. Humility, gentleness, peace, and eager to maintain. Humility. It's uh, really how we respond and see ourselves in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Humility comes from the root word, uh, Greek root word, that says to rein in or to curb that which naturally flows out of us. God-ordained humility is how we see ourselves in the light of God and His Word and not in the light of Eeyore. Anybody a Disney fan or, or a <laughs> Winnie the Pooh? Gail has this uh, sweater that she's worn for years that has a little Winnie the Pooh. Uh, and uh, I think of that and I see Eeyore. Or Goliath. So it's not seeing ourselves in the light of, of, of uh, Eeyore or Goliath. Eeyore is, you know, he's one of those that, that walks around, oh, I'm just not worthy. I'm, I'm just not good enough, you know. I, I don't think I can do that, you know. And it's just so hard, you know. Have you ever tried that? You know, it, it, Oh, it's just awful. <laughs> but we're not to walk around being and feeling unworthy like Eeyore, walking in, in, that, uh, in that just a, a, a slump all the time, never being excited about anything. Everything is just kind of a downer for him. Or we're not to walk in the might, uh, if we will, of Goliath. That, uh, and listen, guys, this is our, this is our uh, wheelhouse, if you will, or our forte. Goliath, you know, we're, we're tough. We're men. We're, we can handle anything. One of my favorite phrases is that I'm a fixer. I fix things. I help people. I like the fixing. You know, the, it's, it's the tough, you know, we're guys. Ugh. Pastor Cliff over there, he's tough. I know he looks old. <laughs> but he's tough. I know that I wouldn't tangle. I wouldn't tangle with his wife. <laughs> Because I know that she could, I know that she could kick my butt all over this place. <laughs> uh, how many of you know that, that Pastor Cliff is is uh, probably what a, a fifth, sixth, seventh degree, eighth, eighth degree black belt? And how many of you know that that uh, he won the, the Chuck Tor Norris's first tournament? Uh, so uh, this is a tough guy. He's a tough guy. I wouldn't tangle with him. And, uh, but I know that, that Cliff doesn't walk around in, in his toughness. I know that he walks around in the humility of the Lord. But, you know, it's, it's a guy thing. You know, we're tough. Uh, but I don't want to be Goliath. I don't want to have somebody standing off and say, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That was David's response to the tough guy. I just want to honor Christ in what I do. Peter was one of those guys. Peter found himself in a position to where Jesus was telling them of uh, his uh, impending death on the cross. And Peter said, oh no, not happening. I'm not going to let that happen. Uh, of course, this is the Weaver version now. Uh, so if you're looking for that translation, you know, you're going to have to wait until I 
repentant. Uh, but anyway, he was saying, oh, it can't happen, Lord. And you know what happened? Jesus looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. And that's usually what we remember. But listen, he, he also said, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind and the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter was pegged down a notch. But Peter was impetuous. And you know, you'd think, I hope that I would, you know, if I, I'm walking in Christ and, and Christ turns around and looks at me, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna cause me to think about how I act, what I do, and how I respond. But Peter was not that way. He was impetuous. We find him again at the, the Mount of Transfiguration uh, where, where Jesus is, is met with Moses and Elias and they begin to talk and Peter interrupts them. says, then he answered Peter. Now, these guys are talking with Jesus. And Peter's the, the impetuous guy. So the Elias and, and, and uh, Moses are talking with Jesus and says, then Peter answered and said to Jesus, uh, Lord, it is good for us to be here if thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles. We can go on and on from there. Uh, you know what? Basically, a bright cloud from heaven shone, and, and the, the Lord spoke to him and said, <laughs> Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. We're not talking to you. It's just for you to be here right now. So again, we find that uh, Peter is taken down a notch. And if that wasn't enough, come the, the crucifixion time of Christ, Peter is saying, oh, you'll never, I'll never let this happen. You're not going to go. I'll defend you to the end. In fact, he whipped out a sword and took off uh, the servant of the high priest's ear. And Jesus rebuked him for that and picked up that ear and put it back on the servant's head and healed it. I mean, he, he once was earless, but now he's not. <laughs> uh, and he was rebuked for that. And then Jesus said to him, you know, before this night's over, you'll deny me three times. And of course, Peter said, oh, no, not me, Lord. Not me. I'll follow you to the end of the earth. Uh, this is a guy thing. Again, you know, uh, tough guys. We, uh, we're not doing that. I'm tough. But we find that uh, three times that night before the morning came, it says before the, before the, the rooster crowed, Peter denied Jesus Christ. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Many of us need to be brought to this place of humility to see others in the light of who we are in the manner of God's word, or in the mirror of God's word. Uh, listen, it's less of us and more of him. Humility. Uh, let's see ourselves in the light of who God is through the mirror of his word. Gentleness. Gentleness is how we respond to those that hurt us. The biblical gentleness is how we respond to the people when we feel attacked. Have you ever been attacked by someone? Uh, and I'm not just talking about anybody. I mean even a brother and sister in Christ. It happens. It happens. Uh, listen, I'm sure that we have some wounded warriors around here. 
And when you recognize one, it's up to us to put our arms of love around them and love them and help them heal in Christ Jesus. It is the ability, gentleness, is the ability to suffer injury without becoming angry or resorting to revenge or becoming bitter, uh, which, we na- uh, which we naturally do when we are hurt by other people. Our natural tendency is to become angry when we're hurt. Boy, if they ever do that again to me, they'd better watch out because I'm going to get them back. Now, again, I, I, I'm not saying anything in the light of anybody that I know. I, I can only refer back to who I know who I am. So let's go back in time again to Bible school. Here I am with a call on my life, studying the Word of God, did what God asked me. I'm in Bible college. In fact, I'm in my junior year of Bible college. And my wife came home and said, you can't believe what so-and-so said about our daughter. It wasn't anything awful. Uh, but the fact is, is that, that he had ridden in the car with my wife and my daughter and some other students uh, for a three or four hour trip. And of course, any of you that might know my daughter know that she can talk. And she can talk. And she can talk. And the more she talks, the louder she gets. Uh, we don't know where that. <laughs> I love you, Justin. You know that? <laughs> do, do you know that Justin is my favorite grandson? <laughs> oh, I'm his only grand. He's my only grandson. Okay. He's still my favorite. <laughs> and this guy uh, just got to complaining and said, oh, they should be locked up in a cage like an animal. Be quiet. And so my wife came home in tears. And of course, the righteous indignation, of course, that's what I thought it was, right? righteous indignation rose up within me, and I saw this guy coming down the street I lived off campus, uh, and it was across the road from the campus. So I'm coming down the street, and if I told you who he was, uh, a lot of you would know who he is. Very well-loved and respected man uh, in, in, the, in the ministerial community. But anyway, I met him in the street with my righteous indignation, and I said, you are going to go to my house, and you are going to apologize to my daughter, and you are going to apologize to my wife, or I'm going to beat the daylights out of you right here in front of the entire school. And I was mad, and I meant it. Wow. Wow. But it didn't end with that. I mean, I thought I got that all on me, you know. Well, I'll, you know, that's a one-time thing, you know. Uh, I'm saved. I love the Lord. I'm, uh, and I threatened a guy one time. That's, that's all right. But, you know, uh, there wasn't long after that that, uh, that a guy came to me and, and said, do you think you can help me get some wood? We need to cut some wood, and I don't have a chainsaw that's running right now. And I said, oh, sure. He said, I'll split the wood with you. Half of whatever we take down, uh, you can have, and I'll take the other half. Because I was heating a house, and, and that winter, that house took me 18 cords of wood to, to heat. So, uh, you know, I might as well have been living in a tent and left both flaps open. <laughs> you know, the windows were rattled, and the curtains would move back and forth. So I needed the wood. And I went out, and, and uh, uh, being able to use a chainsaw, I put five cords of wood on, on the ground and, and blocked it into four-foot lengths. And we hauled it all up to this guy's house. 
But in the process, I wound up losing this tooth. It's, a, it's an implant. I had a chainsaw kick back and catch me in the face. And I took a bunch of stitches in, in, uh, in my mouth. and the whole, You know, it's another whole story uh, for another day. It's just that I got hurt, and I got hurt bad. And uh, I had come home. Uh, I showed my wife, and she was upset. And I said, I, I need to go and talk to my brother about the wood that, that, you know, so we can get that, my half over here. And I went to his house, and he told me that, well, uh, you know, God told me not to give you the wood. Wow. <laughs> So I was angry again. I didn't say anything to him, but I held a root of bitterness in my heart for this man for a long time. And it affected me. It affected my ministry. But it's not done. Bible school. You think Bible school. What a great place and what great people. Everybody loves the Lord and everybody sings and they're happy and they pray and they preach. And uh, well, I had a gentleman that, that uh, said, come tearing up to the house, and he said, oh, we have to go, and, and uh, you have to watch our kids for us. Please, please, please watch our kids. Uh, and when you do, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll watch yours sometime for you. So being the great Christians that we were, we brought the kids in. We watched them, uh, uh, spent the weekend with them. Came a time when we needed someone to, uh, to watch our kids, and basically they said, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And uh, again, bitterness rose with up inside of me. And I'll tell you that uh, the, the guy that, that didn't give me the wood, uh, it didn't take long to get over that. I mean, I, uh, eventually he and I made things right between he and I as, as brothers and, uh, and, and the Lord. But this guy that, that did this, there was just something. And I held for years the bitterness within me. And it hasn't only been in the last, again, if I mentioned this man's name, most of you would know him. Uh, but uh, uh, I held that bitterness in for a long time. And I was here three or four years ago at uh, Cabela's and walking around in, and looking for fishing equipment. And I'd gone up to the, to the counter and I heard a voice say, look after this guy. This guy is a brother in the Lord and you, he's a good man of God and you need to take good care of him. And I turned around and it was this guy that I'd held this bitterness for all these years. Needless to say, God melted the bitterness away. Uh, I'm ashamed of some of the representation that I have represented over the years. But how do we deal with this? How are we supposed to deal with this? Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 29 says, But to you who are willing to listen, are you willing to listen? Because I want you to hear this morning. To you that are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty seven of himself, I am gentle and humble in heart. 
So part of the calling and walking in the calling is realizing that we need to be humble and walk in humility, not the, not the Eeyore or not the Goliath, but the humility that only the Holy Spirit can give us and the gentleness that only the Holy Spirit can give us. When we answer and when we deal with whatever is coming at us, we need to deal with it in the love of Jesus Christ through His Holy Spirit. So often we focus on our inabilities. I'm just one of those people who somebody, when somebody crosses me, I just have to tell them uh, about it. I just have to let them have it. Uh, you know, I, I just have to meet them head on. I can't let it go. When somebody crosses me, I go at them with reckless verbal abandonment. And their excuse for these people, most of these people, almost always is, well, this is just me and how I am, and thankfully God still loves me. And you know, uh, His grace is sufficient for me. You know, His grace covers all things. Uh, it's terrible how we can use the Word of God as an excuse for our own inability to walk in the anointing and the calling of the Word of God. Here's the truth of the matter. We are not supposed to focus on our inabilities and weaknesses. We are supposed to focus on the strength that lives within us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ whom strengtheneth me. So we don't react in ourselves, but we react in the boldness and in the strength of Jesus Christ. Through His Holy Spirit. Patience. Think about this word. Patience. Listen to what the, uh, the, the Greek says. The literal translation of this could be or should be. It says the, the word literally means to endure your temper intact. Or endure with your temper intact. Patience. Think about that. To endure. Listen, there are going to be people that are going to bug you. There are going to be people that are going to rub you the wrong way. Uh, you're going to shake your head and think, man, I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody as numb as that person is. <laughs> Listen, Gail and I have been married for 47 years come June. Uh, and I'll tell you what, in 47 years, I have bugged her a lot. <laughs> and she, me. But there, uh, and you know, at home, it's, it's a place that seems to come a lot. But you know, uh, it's, it's those uh, that you dance the closest with who you step on their toes the most. Uh, when we first got married, it was all lovey-dovey. Oh, honey, and my mother-in-law used to complain, you guys are kissing all the time. Someday you'll grow out of that. Well, I, thankfully we haven't. <laughs> I, we start our day with a nice smooch. Love you, hon. <laughs> and we smooch you a little all day long. We may even hold hands, and, I, and, and Gail can't walk by. I, I'm not reaching out and patting her. 
I mean, I love my wife, but I know that I bug her. And it's gotten worse since retirement. <laughs> it's, it's easy, you know, when, when you say, Hi, hon! <laughs> Have a great day, I'm going to work. And you're gone eight, nine, ten hours a day, you know, and you come home and say, Hi, hon, I'm home. And you get a little smooch and you spend a, a couple hours eating dinner and supper and then you go to bed. You, so it's, but man, let me tell you, when it's 24-7, <laughs> it's easy to get on one another's nerves. <laughs> I was working for a company called uh, Foss Manufacturing. You guys flag at me if I'm getting away with time, okay? Because <laughs> I, I have a tendency not to look up. Uh, I, I was working for a place uh, called Foss Manufacturing in Hampton. And I was uh, what they call the blend master there. I worked in a, a fancy line. Uh, I mean, it's huge. It would take up more than, than these rooms combined together. That's how big the machine was. So I had an assistant that worked uh, with me. And we blended fibers for custom colors. Uh, and then they would take these fibers and uh, needle loom them into uh, fabric or material for these colors. So I was the blend master. Fancy term. Whoopee. Uh, but this guy that, that they had sent to help me as, as my assistant, he was supposed to drive the, the uh, fork truck and other things. He was a talker. And my wife will tell you and, uh, that, uh, that I can, well, sometimes she will. Sometimes she'll say, you never shut up. Uh, <laughs> but, but that I can, I can be happy in my own head. Is anyone else like that? You know, that, that you just don't have to talk all the time. You know, you can yeah, be just content in, in your head and, and, and with your own thoughts and, and, and uh, your time with Christ or, or, or however you spend it. But I'm, I can be happy in my own head. And when I'm at a job, I'm at a job, and, and I've always been that way. I, uh, it's always been my, uh, my uh, belief, biblical or not, that if you're at work and all you do is stand around and talk, that you're stealing from the company because they're paying you not to talk. They're paying you to work. And that's always been. My father instilled that into me uh, from a very early age. Uh, my responsibility when someone's paying me money is to work for that money and not to take it under pretenses. So... This guy just talked, and he talked, and he talked, and he talked to the point to where it was so endless that I just couldn't help it, and I tried, number one, to ignore him. So, you know, he would get going on, and I would walk away. And that didn't help, because when I would walk away, he'd follow me and talk to me, and he'd talk to me about the puppy that he bought, and about the chain that he bought for his puppy, and about his mother, and about his father, and his Uncle Joe, and their second, third, or fourth, or fifth wife, or uncle's sister's mother. You know, he just talked about everything. Uh, have you ever come across those people? They just don't stop. And so, I, at that point, you know, after a few weeks of the doing this, I, I just finally asked him, I said, listen, would you just stop talking? I have stuff to do. Please, just stop. Get on your uh, machine and, and drive it around and pick up little bales of wool and do whatever it is you have to do. Just stop. I can't take it anymore. But finally, I got mad after a few weeks of that, and just keep telling him to stop, that I turned around and I said, listen, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not a talker. I have a job to do. If you want to talk, that guy over there loves to talk, and that guy over there loves to talk, and that woman over there loves to talk, and that guy over there loves to talk. Go talk to him. Talk to him all day, but don't talk to me. Pastor Mike, 
I can't believe that of you. <laughs> Most of you see me as this fun-loving guy, you know, handsome and good-looking. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, honestly. But you know what happened? What really happened is I lost the God-given right to present the gospel to this young man. And I regret that. See, when, we, when we're not walking in the calling and in the manner in which God has called us to, uh, I'll tell you, there's going to be regrets in your life. And there'll be times that you will shed tears over those regrets. And there are things that I regret in my life. This is one of them. This young man may never go to heaven. I pray that he does. But he may never go to heaven because he knew I was a pastor. But this is how I treated him. It's shameful. Lord, help us to walk in your peace, in your patience. Dr. Henry Ironsides, uh, was a, a great Bible teacher of many years ago, told the story of a man named George who struggled with his temper and Every so often, someone would do something or say something, and George would just lose it. He would fly off the handle and uh, just go after this person, you know, and just uh, uh, and be angry and, and verbally abusive and the whole thing. Uh, said, but his friend, George, was always able to be set straight or right by one simple question. George, is this the old you, or is this the new you? And tears would well up in his eyes, and he would repent of his temper, and he knew that it, the only thing that he could do was go and lay this at the feet of Jesus at the cross, and lay this down and ask God for forgiveness. And so, you know, even when we have lost it, even when we think we've lost the respect of others, uh, we have to ask ourselves the question, is this the old you or the new you? And when we realize that it's the old me, it's time to bring that again to the cross, to ask for God's forgiveness. We have to show who Christ is by the reflection of who he is in our life. Don't wear a dull mirror. Don't wear a dull mirror. Verse 4, and the last one, number 4, and I'll try to run through this quickly. Eager to maintain unity. Verse 3 says, Eager to maintain unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, this verse doesn't tell us to maintain the unity of the body, which most people think. You think maintain the unity. Although unity of the body, we, the body has to be unified. We have to work together. And that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about maintaining the unity of the Spirit. It's not talking about maintaining the unity of Cross Point Church. That's not our responsibility, in, in, according to what we're reading here. It's God's job to do that. It's God's job to deal with you and to help to bring that unity. It's dealing with the unity of the Spirit. This verse does not... Okay, let me uh, catch up to where I've already been. Uh, 
It is not telling us to maintain the unity of cross point point. It is talking about the unity of the Spirit. Uh, let me go on. There is a work that the Holy Spirit has done to join us one to another. Although we may not look the same, we may be different, we may not sing the same worship songs, we may not attend the same flavor of church. The Spirit brings unity. We have all uh, been bought or brought together by the unity of the Spirit, and this is the unity that He is forging each one of us together so that we may reflect Christ by the life we live to the lost or in front of the lost and dying world we need to remember that we are one because the spirit has made us one it's not our responsibility to bring unity in the body it's our responsibility to be filled with the spirit and walk in the unity that the spirit has forged us together with i love that show forged in fire it's a, it's a neat show where the, these guys are taking steel and they're taking different pieces of steel and they're heating them up and they're taking out and they're hammering them and they're forging one into another and I can see that that's what God does to us. He puts us in the fire and He takes us out and He hammers and forges us together as a unit, as a body in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And when we walk in the unity and the power and the bondage and the forgedness, if you will, of Christ, we present the Gospel in the very best light that is able to be presented. There was a Bible teacher uh, many years ago who had uh, com was coming back from a conference in the Midwest. Uh, and he was going to California, uh, and he was on a train. And this train took days to get from where he was to California. So on the first morning of his trip, he took out his Bible, as was his custom, uh, in the morning, and he read and studied. And all at once, there was this German woman standing there asking him what he was reading. Now, he knew he, she was German because of, uh, it says because of her thick German accent. And uh, she realized, and he told her that it was the Bible. And she said, oh, wait, please, just wait uh, until I can go and get mine. And then before they knew it, it says that uh, there were people all around with their Bibles of different nationalities, races, and stations in life. And they joined him in the study of the Word. And from that point on, every morning, uh, the conductor would walk through all the cars on that train announcing, Bible study in car four. If you want to go, uh, you're all invited. And from the rest of that trip, every morning at Bible study time, that car four was packed with people that wanted to study and discuss and look into the Word of God. And no one asked them, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's your belief? Are, are you a Calvinist or are you an Arminius? Are you a Baptist or are you a Pentecostal? Are you a Methodist or are you Episcopalian? They didn't care what they were. They didn't care what color they were. They didn't care what station of life. None of these questions were asked. They just wanted to study the Word of God. And they came together in the unity of the Spirit of God. 
They were just drawn together in that unity. So what is this telling us? It is the work of the Spirit that brings unity and love for one another. And not the unity. Or not the humanity that it seems to be within us. Humanity doesn't do it. The unity of the Spirit does. It causes us to love. It causes us to walk upright and walk in that calling that God has given. And it just brings me to a few words of an old camp meeting song. And it says, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. They will know that we are Christians by our love. So if we act in His gentleness, if we act in the humility of God, if we act in the peace of God, that which He's called us through the Holy Spirit and that not of ourselves, we bring a gentleness, we bring a unity, we bring a one in spirit in the love of Jesus Christ. Let that be our desire today to follow the call of God that He has placed on each and every one of our lives that we may reflect Jesus in the hearts and lives of men. Amen? Amen. Worship team, come.